0: Welcome to the Regent's Park Open Air Theatre Podcast. In this episode, journalist and former theatre critic for The Evening Standard, Fiona Mountford, joins director Kimberly Sykes to discuss her take on Romeo and Juliet. In part two, joining the conversation and discussing the role that women play in the production are Isabel Adamaco young who plays Juliet, Emma Cunniff, who plays the nurse, and Michelle Fox,
1: who plays the regendered role of Tybalt.
0: It's a real pleasure to be sitting down to talk to Kimberly Sykes, the director of this vibrant and hurtling new production of Romeo and Juliet. Welcome, Kimberly. I wanted to start by asking you this. Given that Romeo and Juliet is one of the most famous and most performed plays in world drama, how did you go about looking at it afresh for this new production?
1: Um I think with classical text as well as new writing, um, that first read for me of a play is really vital to, as objectively as possible, just read the play with as fresh an eye as I can find and, and just allow whatever is impulsively and instinctively coming to me to just allow that to kind of come out somehow. Sure. So what I often do is, after reading the play for the first time... I'll get my notebook out and I'll just scribble down whatever is coming to my head. And what were those impulses? You reread the, well, I presume you'd read it before this, but what were your, your
0: impulsive scribblings? What did they say? What would your notebook have read for those uh, impulsive scribblings? It
1: read four days, four <laughs> days! <laughs> exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Yes. How do um, five young people and one parent end up dead in the space of four days in one small community? Yes. Um, what's wrong, <laughs> <I think that's, laughs> what on yes. earth is wrong with Verona, yeah. <laughs> was a big question that I had. And I guess those are the big things. It, it's, it's all of my questions. Yes. That, that, um, rather than trying to jump to an answer right. or um, an idea or a concept or yes. this is what I think the play is about yes. after one read it's all of my questions that i that that i'm that i'm putting down and i try to keep them alive as much as possible
0: and is your aim by the end of rehearsals to have answered those questions or to have shared the questions with everybody else involved in the production i think i think the
1: sharing and keeping the question mark alive is really important yeah i like that yeah and i think with the audience as well it's yes. it's really vital to to not try and kind of tie everything up with a nice pretty bow at the end. And I'm not interested in delivering an onstage essay. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's I think theatre lives in audience members for for days, for weeks, for months, for years after they've seen a show. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm always trying to make a, a production that has longevity for each audience member. Yes. That keeps it alive for as long as possible. Yes. So if I start the process with questions, and then if I go into the rehearsal process with questions, sure. and then I'm asking the audience questions and asking yeah. them to ask questions. Yes. Then it just keeps it alive.
0: It, yes, rather than, right, this is, we've done the thinking, it's all sort of in a, in a sealed box, you're keeping it vivid. No, <clears throat> absolutely, I like, I like the sound of that very much. This might be a bit of an ask, But could you possibly sum up your take on Rome? This take, this production, your take in Romeo and Juliet, in 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 a line, in two lines. Just what would the tagline be of this Kimberly Sykes production? Or is that is that a ridiculous and reductive thing to
1: ask you to do? It's not. (laughs) It's something that you're asked to do quite a lot as a director, (laughs) and it's really important. You (laughs) kind of go through a process of can you put the play into a paragraph? Can you put the play into a sentence? Can you put the play into one word? It's always a challenge. It's a really important exercise for any director. Okay. Um, If I was to put this production into one sentence, it would be a Romeo and Juliet as a warning play that asks the audience, why do we keep making the same mistakes over and over again as a society? And are Mm. we going to change?
0: Right. Okay. And... And... Do you have any answers to that, having worked on it for so long?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the big clue is, is about listening, is about perspective. And those characters in the play who, throughout the four days, go narrower and narrower and narrower in their perspectives. Right. And those characters in the play that go wider and wider and wider in their perspective. Give us
0: an example of maybe one of each of those two camps. Who's in who's in the narrow, who's in the <laughs> wide perspective? Yeah. yeah.
1: I think Lord Capulet I would definitely put in the category of going narrower and narrower.
0: Yes, he seems to get sort of madder and madder as the action goes on, doesn't he? Way more manic, and you can
1: hear it in his language. It becomes really syncopated, and he's changing his mind all the time. Yes. Literally in one scene, he can change his mind four or five times. So he goes narrower. He goes narrower. He begins the play by saying, to Paris... Woo her. Yes, that's right. It's her choice. Yeah. My consent is but a part. Yeah. <laughs> it's her choice that matters. And he yes ends the play.
0: At the end, he's kind of doing all the catering for the wedding himself. He's doing he? it. All. <laughs> and he
1: says, You will marry Paris, or I'll drag, I'll get you to church yes. on Thursday, or I'll drag you thither. Yes.
0: Very and you strange. kind of go,
1: what's happened there? Yeah. In four days, what is that? What is that pressure on him? And I, I and, and I and I don't think there's a baddie in the play, and I try never to paint baddies, especially yes. in Shakespeare, because I don't think I think he's way more humane than that. Yes. But so wh- I was constantly asking, what is happening to Lord Capulet that's making him do this? And there's something in the pressure of of the Prince and and Paris and their power yes we all think of lord montague and lord capula as being the dons yeah <laughs> but yes. actually there are people there are two people above them in the play yeah,
0: there are super dons above them. there are super dons
1: <laughs> and they are politicians yeah and money
0: so that's what yeah so so he's going narrower who's Who's doing the opposite? Who's sort of going wider with their perspective? Juliet. Juliet, yes, yeah, she Absolute. is.
1: Absolutely, that's her journey.
0: Yeah, she is. You This is a podcast, but Kimberly is beaming as she says, <laughs> Juliet's going to be with, with knowledge and, and self-awareness and awareness of the world and yes. and the disappointments of the world and how grown-ups, yes, you're right, she's absolutely, she's, she's discovering a lot.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: for, for those who've not been lucky enough to see your production, I'm wondering if you might tell us, first of all, what your Verona looks like and where it sits in time and space. Well, what's the context?
1: Yeah, so one of the first things I wrote down in my stream of consciousness, (laughs) reading the the play for the first time, just scribbling down everything, was there was an earthquake 11 years ago. What? I'd never read that in the play before. I'd never seen a production that had talked about that. Often it's cut as a line. The nurse tells us in Act 1, Scene 3 that um, 11 years ago there was an earthquake and on that day Lord and Lady Capulet were away in Mantua and she talks about Juliet um, falling over and and breaking her brow and this joke that her husband told in the moment and then there was this earthquake that (laughs) shook the whole house. Yes. And in the same breath she also talks about the death of her daughter Susan and then goes on to talk about the death of her husband. Yes. And... I found that chunk of text really fascinating, okay. and it made me ask questions about how bad this earthquake was. Yes, is that the place? Is that is that the time where she lost her daughter and her husband? If Lord and Lady Capulet were in Mantua and she was looking after Juliet, then was she a part of how Juliet has got managed to get out of the earthquake alive? Right. Okay. Is that why they've got the relationship yes. they do? Yeah. And it made me think a lot about what 11 years after a tragedy looks like okay. and how a society recovers from tragedy.
0: And, and what... So we're, your, your Verona is 11 years on from this. And so what does your Verona 11 years on look like? How has it recovered? Mm, it's... Or indeed not recovered, it, as the case may be. Yeah, I mean,
1: so our, our, the stage floor is Earth. Right. There's lots of references to earth. OK, in the so they haven't done all of the, the rubble clearing the rebuilding. They haven't. No. they haven't. And it's kind of, you know, when you look at, um, you know, images where tsunamis have happened and earthquakes have happened, there are often areas still kind of 20 years later that have been, that have still been left. And yes. And I think what often happens in those, in those areas and, and, in, and as a metaphor for society recovering from, from a tragedy is that we don't really look at the actual crack the w- the place where the earth cracked or the the rubble we plaster over it we right. want to build on top of it yes. so yeah. on top of our earth structure that has the earthquake crack running through it
0: right is okay is
1: yeah. a, a, a a three story scaff yeah. uh, structure that that is purposefully um, kind of liminal and um, it's definitely not wobbly, but it's meant to look like there's been an attempt at recovery, but it's almost been abandoned. Yes. And the, the, the scaph's still there. It's a temporary structure. Well,
0: you were talking about scribbling in your notebook. When I saw the lovely production in my notebook, I scribbled about the set. I said, I wrote a note. It's particularly striking um this blasted industrial look so it's from recovering from this great natural disaster and it looks it looks blasted the set doesn't yeah. it yeah, yeah it does and i was
1: you know i think i was interested in juxtaposing the set with the with the kind of um natural uh lushness of of regents park yes, club air yes. theater as a site and this yes. kind of incredible park and this very luscious space yes uh with something that felt like it was um you know that kind of brutal um uh, uh, uh kind of quarry like space yes that the yeah. the because it you know w- when Shakespeare says "Fair Verona," I was really struggling to understand what was fair about this Verona. <laughs> yes, because my reading of the play was <laughs> not very fair. No, it's not very fair. No, um, yeah. it's it's um, it's really dysfunctional. Yeah, um, and and the people within it, the characters within Verona, I yeah. think are extraordinary. And I wanted to create a space where the characters were. A lot, like felt felt vibrant and felt alive.
0: Yeah, they're vibrant, but the the landscape surrounding them has obviously had a very hard time. Yeah, we'll, I think we'll come back to that, Kimberly. What I wanted to ask you, I, I'm sure our our listeners would want to know about the casting. Um, so, what were you looking for when you when you were working on the casting, and in particular, maybe we think about the actors who would play the title characters, Romeo and Juliet. What in particular were you looking for through the audition process?
1: Yeah. um so with Romeo, you know, when when you read the play, everybody loves him. Yeah. Everybody's always asking, "Where is Romeo? Have you seen Romeo today? Romeo, where's Romeo? Romeo, come here. Romeo, do this. Romeo." They all want a piece of Romeo. They all want to be around him. Yes. Um, and so you need somebody who's who's quite special. Yes. Um, to 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 portray that somebody um, somebody who has an innocence and a vulnerability to them, and yet so much potential. Um, Because when I read Romeo, I I hear somebody who is struggling through the world, who who at the start of the play is really suffering um, in terms of his mental health and finding his way in the world, and goes through a process of real um, enlightenment that comes from uh, his relationship with Juliet and what he discovers about himself. Yes. And... um, so I wanted to find somebody who had that kind of rigor of thought who it, it's always important for me to find actors who are um, who are kind of really kind of socially and politically aware as well, who are very active in the world right. um, uh, and and Joel McCormack um, came in and, and, and made me cry. Oh,
0: <laughs> and, wow, okay and sure
1: and. Sometimes I don't quite know what I'm looking for in, in an when, actor. When but you when see you it, see it, you know you were looking for that. Yeah. And what
0: about the casting of Isabel as Juliet? Yes.
1: Isabel, you know, she is... She's so complex and so... And and, and quite hard to pin down. Right. And that And I love that. And I love that about her. I love that she, I mean, she's rigorously intelligent and...
0: And that shines through in her performance, oh, doesn't it? It sparkles
1: from the stage. It really sparkles. Yeah. And yet there's not, you know, Juliet isn't as gregarious as Romeo. Yes. There's something a little bit more protected and yeah. secretive about Juliet. Yes. And I feel like it's something that she's had to learn to be in the family she's grown up with. Yes. Um... And I really felt that when I first met Isabel,
0: right,
1: that, that there were secrets there, that, and I was really excited to 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 get to know those sure. secrets, or or to or to kind of leave some of them dangling, dangling, <laughs> and, and and untapped, and um, and I think there's great strength in in somebody who can, you know, who who. Who feels very sure of themselves and and their own mind, and yet is still open to so much questioning and sure. um, and learning and um, and and also, you know, what's really hard with Juliet is finding somebody who kind of has that kind of can 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 pass for a fourteen-year-old girl. Yes, yes, absolutely. And not that we were doing a that that it needed to be a literal interpretation of a fourteen-year-old. Yes. You know, because that often feels like a lie when people try and do that with Juliet. Yes, but the 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 innocence.
0: Yes, absolutely, the innocence. But that that the innocence, but the learned wariness about life, and yeah, Isabel captures that so so beautifully. Now, two of your key characters, Tybalt and Benvolio. Now, Benvolia have been regendered. Now, why was that important to you? Why did you make that choice?
1: Yeah, um, a few reasons. When you look through the cast list, as traditionally played, yes, there are very few women in this play. Yep. And um as a female director, <laughs> but also I think a lot of male directors would look at that and, can, and find that problematic. Yes. Because if Shakespeare was writing today, do I think, in my understanding of him as a writer, that he would do that? No, I don't. Yes. And because yes. we were... We were. I was interested in doing a modern production or a, a, a contemporary production set ten, eleven years in the future. It had to represent the world that that, that yes. is in front of us right now. Yes. Um, and then and then you go on the process of kind of right, where would where would it be interesting to regender characters? And why did you pick those two for the regender? Yeah. Way? So Benvolia. First time I read the play, I read her as a woman. Okay. I. I, I she just always felt female to me. Right. And um, not that there are traits that aren't in absolutely in men as well, but there's something about Benvolia as a, a young person in this world who's kind of trying to be a bridge between the younger generation and the older generation. Right. And trying to m- be a peacemaker. Right, and yeah. And trying to but also trying to please everybody. Yes, yeah. And spinning so many plates and having a lot of demands made of her because people trust her. And so she's always involved somehow yeah. in a fight. Okay. And then the minute that fight happens, uh, an adult comes in and says, "Benverlia, tell us what happened." Right. She's she's yeah. She's got she's the one who's going to be answerable. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And um you know that's exhausting. <laughs> yes, um, and um, and and really interestingly, um, you know, Benvolia leaves halfway through the play. Yes, and that was always a really big question for me: is where does Benvolia go? Why does she leave? Um, it just it, she just always always felt female in in my in my imagination. That's probably to do with my experiences of the world as well. Right, so, and what about Tybalt? Well, with Tybalt, Michelle and I have talked about this a fair bit. Of representation of violence from women um, and within women is so rarely talked about and when it is talked about it's talked about as some kind of phenomenon like women who kill
0: yes yes
1: violent women oh like there's something ridiculously unnatural and against against all human nature for a woman to be violent yes Um, and so we were really interested in 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 exploring that and and tapping into what that instinct, what that impulse is in, in women too. Yeah. And also what always again, Tybalt's often played as a kind of baddie with with not very much compassion. And but the more I read the play, the more I thought, well, Tybalt's actually really good at what she does. Yes. Um so, Some of the others in the play are just going around brawling in the streets. Tybalt's really clever and she is disciplined and well-practiced. Right. And Mercutia tells her she's a duelist. Yeah. And it made me think about what it is to be a woman who's trying to fight for, for your place in the world and especially in a world of violence. Yes. The homework that goes into that the 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 amount of work she's had to put in <laughs> to being considered on the same level yes. as the men in her family. Yes. Um and that even as the best fighter in Verona, she is still massively disrespected and completely humiliated by Lord Capulet. Yes. Which is one of the reasons for the tragedy in the play because if Lord Capulet hadn't publicly humiliated Tybalt in the party in front of everybody. Tybalt wouldn't have had such a beef with Romeo, and then right. have gone out to kid try so and kill cause Romeo. And effect, yeah. Cause and effect, yeah, is massive.
0: Following on from that, you you, you you're, you've once a wonderful essay you've written in the program for this production, and you talk about. How The long-term hatred between the Capulets and the Montagues is what gives all the young people their agency and their identity. I was fascinated by this. Perhaps you could unpack that idea a little for us, because it seems to be fitting in with what you've just been saying about
1: Tybalt and so on. It does. Um, when you read the play and think about the young people, they don't seem to be doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't have jobs to school. They're all slightly
0: hanging about, aren't They're they? They're all Looking just hanging agro-home. about. And
1: you, yes. what are you doing? They're I not doing anything. have got, not got Latin homework to do or something yeah, like that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Some any. Yeah. <laughs> and and then it made me think. Well, then, what have they got to do? What
0: what yeah. agency do they have? And I was, it's a pretty constricted society, isn't it?
1: It is. Mm. And 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 I don't know. Sometimes you look around in the world today and you look at decisions that are taken out of a younger generation's hands like climate change like leaving the eu that, that then young people are going to be are going to are going to be left with the responsibility to to continue and yes. and that's their future and it felt like that in the play, like lots of decisions were being made. The prin- Prince Aeschylus comes on in the first scene and says, the next person who fights will die. He reintroduces yes. capital punishment yes. in a breath. Yes. So they've got no... All of their control is being taken away from them constantly.
0: And that, inherit- that idea of the inherited hatred, it made me think of some alarming parallels with with some of the contemporary situation in Northern Ireland for example two groups of young people who are can be divided by generations old hatred and they're sort of they're stuck in the system of it a lot of I've thought about that a lot when I was watching your production
1: yeah and that and the, I think if you really asked any of them why does this hatred exist? Yes. I'm not sure whether they can. It give exists an
0: because it exists. We're here because we're here. Yeah. I, yeah. It's the way
1: it's the way it is. Yes. It is what
0: it is. It's never questioned. It's just this unmoving monolith, isn't yes. it?
1: And and to stop that cycle, it yeah. needs an adult generation to make a change. Yes. And and what strikes me about So I'm often asking myself, why these four days? Why does Shakespeare choose these four days in Verona? If the Capulet and Montague war has been going on for generations and generations, why these four days? And I guess the only answer I have for that is that at the end of it, Romeo and Juliet die. And with Romeo and Juliet's death is the the death of the Montagues and the Capulets because there is no bloodline. But...
0: One just wonders whether the sort of the, the, the second cousins and the hangers-on will continue the feud. One hopes not. But yeah. I want, we we'd so much like to talk about. But we I'd like to ask you if you perhaps could tell us a little bit about the sound and music choices you made for the production because I found them fascinating. Could you tell us a bit about them?
1: So, Giles Thomas, who's the composer and sound designer, who's somebody whose work I've I've. I've admired for a long time and wanted to work with for a long time, and um, and we met. And he he is also interested in challenging assumptions and not making um, uh, not making any choices because that's the way it's always done. And he's he's a radical artist, and right. that was something that I really really connected with in him. And we talked about what does tragedy sound like? Oh, okay. And uh, you know, I'm not the guy. I'm not. The kind of director that can necessarily go up to uh, 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 another creative in the team and and say it needs to be this exact genre and I want uh, and I want it in this tempo <laughs> in it all this, in in these keys <laughs> yes so uh, you know I I uh, I don't work You're like not that. quite
0: that specific about the
1: sound of tragedy. Absolutely. Whereas okay. what I'm really interested in is sitting and having a conversation with another creative and, and saying, what, what does tragedy sound and like? And what did
0: Giles... Give us give us an idea. What did Giles say tragedy sounded
1: like? Um, <laughs> not very much, apart from, I'm going to go and send you some stuff. OK. Because Giles is way of communicating is through music so we 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 explored lots of spotify playlists and we just sent each other stuff all the time and we got closer and closer to it through our ears and music's really important for me
0: If you could sum up again, very briefly, what, what, what would you say you decided upon for the music as a sort of idea? How does it sound? If you could say in words what the music
1: sounds like briefly. Yeah, uh, it's what, relentless. Okay, yeah. There's this constant... Um, Beat that is just taking you closer and closer to the tragedy and it gets faster and faster and faster. Yes,
0: it's It's heart-palpitating stuff, isn't it? And
1: and we also have sounds of of the earth moving within it. So every time somebody dies, the earth tremors. Wow. When Romeo and Juliet fall in love, the earth tremors. So, yeah. So it's this constant sense of we are hurtling towards this tragedy and because we play without an interval at 1 hour 45. Yes. It's it's about just saying stay with us because we're getting we're getting there.
0: Will you lead me very neatly onto a question I wanted to ask you? It's it's you, your production does stick to Shakespeare's promise of the 2 hours traffic of our stage. I mean a lot of productions of Romeo and Juliet do not do this. So very well done to you for doing it. <laughs> Why did you decide on an hour and 45 with no
1: interval? I wanted to Create that sense of the kind of uh, seat of your pants, like um, roller coaster ride. That is like one thing happens, and then the next. The thing momentum. It's not. Thing
0: it's not sort of the, the the pace is not too often. I think in Romeo and Juliet, the pace, if it stretches out, the sense of the relentlessness, the relentless inevitability, is allowed to go very flabby and baggy. Whereas this, you're just. You're in it aren't you? You are and
1: the whole point is that there is no time to think. Yes. in this Verona and if we give if we were to give the characters time to sit and reflect. Yes. I don't think the tragedy would happen.
0: No, because what you, again, you're this lovely essay of yours in the programme, you point out, I love this, this point, that everyone is in such a perpetual hurry. Now, you touched on this earlier when we talked about Lord Capulet. <laughs> everyone makes great, weighty decisions in great haste. Now, I'm going to I'm quote you back at yourself. They seem to make really big decisions really quickly in the middle of a scene. They change their minds all the time capulet decides that juliet will marry paris on thursday oh no thursday feels like it's a bit too soon what day is it today oh it's monday well in that case she'll get married on wednesday and you're like whoa 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 stop everybody please slow down why is verona in such a frenzied haste all the time
1: (laughs) Uh, considering nobody seems to have anything to do exactly (laughs) goes right (laughs) back to that uh, the first thing i wrote down which is how does all of this happen in four days why is everybody in such a hurry and I think there's a fear. We, we react and we try to do things quickly when we're scared. Yes, yeah. And when we are not feeling very confident or um, Not particularly safe. measured about things. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we can talk about that right now, I feel like. As, yes. a, <laughs> as a society, we can talk about reactionary decisions and yep. making decisions in haste. But there's also something about having to make decisions in haste. Yes. You know, I'm also, you know, aware of when there is pressure, when there is outside pressure on you, you sometimes have to just be able to make very quick decisions. Yes. And, uh, you know, one of the things in rehearsals that we said from day one was to take inspiration from Fry Lawrence's line, wisely and slow, they stumble that run fast. Yes. And that was the way we went into rehearsals.
0: (laughs) And look, I think we, we... if we're linking it to the current situation, we could say that Lord Capulet is not really taking any notice of the data or the dates in any of his decisions, is he? Both of them are out the window.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) And there seems to be no sense of um, any kind of... Consultation with no, the public it, in Romeo and Juliet no, or getting us getting a sense of a feel of reading the room necessarily no, of this. None verana. of that. None of that. Just let's do it all. Yeah. Kimberly, thank
0: you very much for your time. We're about to be joined by three very special guests, so we will continue our discussion. Part two of this podcast discussion is now available when Isabel Adamako Young, who plays Juliet, Emma Cunniff, who plays the nurse and Michelle Fox as Tybalt. Join the conversation. For more information about Regents Park Open Air Theatre, visit
1: openairtheatre.com or subscribe to our podcast.